We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Hello and welcome to the 10 Questions podcast where I ask people the same 10 questions each time and marvel at the different ways they choose to answer them. This week's guest is playwright Lally Katz, the playwright who should have been a comedian. Born in New Jersey, she's part Ruby Wax, part Kirstie Alley, and she's written a lot of successful plays, her most successful of which being Neighbourhood Watch, starring Robin Nevin. But the one that got me on the Cats bandwagon was Stories I Want to Tell You in Person, which Cats performs in person and unblinkingly portrays the tumult of her romantic life, as well as her penchant for fortune teller, something she and I share. Stories I Want to Tell You in Person was made into a two-part TV show for the ABC, and for Australian listeners, which according to the stats are all the listeners I've got, it's available on iview. Lali's an extraordinary person. She's funny and revealing and brave enough to put her heart on the stage and into podcasts. Shitty things happen to her, but never stick to her. So in accordance with the process, I started off by asking Lali when she was most happy. The time that comes to my mind of when I was most happy is when I was in Hawaii. I'm most happy in sort of really, because I grew up in Miami, I'm really happy in sort of humid like really hot places. And I, I was in Hawaii when I was 25 and it was sort of after a year of um, traveling by myself and having like all these sorts of up and down times and stuff. And then I was in Hawaii by myself for a week. And I remember sitting like on my last night there, sitting on the beach by myself, like with a, um, like with a, like a sort of tropical cocktail and sort of just like toasting everybody that I'd hung out with for the past year. Like whether we'd had, a, a fight or a good time together or a bad time together. And I remember, and I sort of thought, oh, I'm happy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy just sitting here on the beach by myself. And that was kind of a big relief because I thought, okay, well, if, if this is what I need in life to be happy at times, then that's, that's a pretty, well, I guess you don't have to go to Hawaii, but all in all, <laughs> it's a pretty sweet deal that this <laughs> needs yourself and humidity. It's interesting, though, that, that you were alone because you, I guess because being a writer, you spent a lot of, lot of time alone um so it's obviously a you know a state that you're comfortable with yeah and do you know what i because the other times that i was thinking about when you like when i was thinking about the question of when i've been most happy they're all times like either of me traveling alone or me sitting in a cafe alone writing or me like sort of um with my computer alone and it's like and i love other people and i have wonderful times like with, with, with friends and family and in rehearsals with actors but for some reason those are the times that kind of come into my head of like when I'm the most happy which I'm always afraid that people in restaurants feel sorry for me because I go in like with just myself and my computer and I always think they must think I'm so lonely and um and sometimes I am but I but my main concern is sort of trying to look like not like a loser and so then if ever I have a friend like a friend who kind of is in around my area. I go, Hey, can you come into that cafe with me where I write all the time? Just so they see I've got a friend. <laughs> but, um, and, and, but I mean, if I'm alone consistently for a couple of months, I don't even realize it, but I start getting into like a bit of a, a funk, like, or just sort of nothing breaks me out of myself. And then like, if I, and then if I go back into rehearsals, 
or meet up with people, go to a party or something, then suddenly you're hit with all this other energy mm. and you re- you remember and then I remember, oh that's right, I love being around people. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um who would you like to apologize to and why? I probably the person I'd like to apologize to is I had a, I had one really, really nice boyfriend in my early twenties named Luke Dickerson. We were together he lived in Canberra, I lived in Melbourne. We were together for probably three years and he was so nice and a, a lovely guy and then at the end of our relationship, I um, I cheated on him with a bartender at my work. Then I cheated on him with somebody else, and I, and I told him both times. And then I broke up with him, and he was really sad and sort of shocked by it. And I guess in a way, he's somebody who I feel like he was a, a kind person, and I was cold and a bit thoughtless towards him. And I always thought that, and I always kind of thought, oh, I'll have lots of other nice boyfriends. I didn't really. I didn't really. He was pretty much pretty much the only nice boyfriend I ever had, and and um and I was and I was really mean to him. And so um I um I mean nice and as in like he was just kind of into it and like and ready to just happy to be in the relationship and stuff. And and um yeah, and I was uh, and I I think I was quite. I mean, you know, you you do weird stuff in your early twenties and stuff, but I think yeah. I was quite callous to him. But um, and have you spoken to him since? No, we were we sort of were friends for about a year, and then I went overseas. And I always sort of think with with somebody, I mean, he's happy. Like if I hear from friends, he's like he's married and has kids and stuff, and is a is a carpenter and has a really great life. But I just always sort of think if you've kind of um, if you've hurt someone or broken their heart, leave them alone. Like they, you know, they don't they don't want they don't need you as a friend probably. And if they do, they'll. I mean, not that he wouldn't. I mean, you know, this was like 15 years ago or something. He'd be, he wouldn't get, he would probably hardly remember who I am. But I just always think if you've kind of hurt someone, if they want to be friends with you, they will be. But, um, and I always feel like that with myself. Like if someone's kind of broken my heart, I'd rather they left me alone because, you know, in a, in a few years you can be friends, but for the first kind of two years or something, it just sort of stops your heart from healing properly, I think. I think that's, I think that's really wise. Yeah. Um, what's your greatest regret? Um, my greatest regret, well, my greatest regret used to be that I thought that, um, now this, I, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I thought, my greatest regret was that I thought that I wasn't having sex enough when I was single. And I always sort of thought, I always felt bad because I felt like I was missing out on like this huge party that everybody <laughs> else was in. And, um, I always thought something was like missing in my life that, and, and there was, yeah, there were all these other people out there kind of having like this wild sort of like in touch with their bodies kind of time. But then my mom gave me this article recently in the age, which was basically just that everyone thinking that everyone else is kind of having sex all the time and that people mm. aren't necessarily. And then I sort of thought, Oh, so it's kind of, um, it's, it's like, that's how everybody feels. And then I didn't regret it anymore. And I thought, well, who did I want to be out there having, who, did I, who are all these crazy strangers that I wanted to be having sex with all the time? Like most of the time I just wanted to be at home doing my work. So it's, I guess, I mean, it's, yeah, so I don't know if it's as much of a regret like as it was before, but yes, but I, but I guess that would be, if I had to pick, that would be it. <laughs> I love it. Um, what, what do you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Do you know what? I just really want to be, I really just love to like, be Hollywood and be part of like some like to make it in Hollywood. I don't even know what at, but to just like 
at the you know at the end of my life be like be kind of going yeah those were my years in Hollywood and <laughs> I just feel like if I died without ever making it in Hollywood in one way or the other I'd be really sad. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, who's the person who most influenced you and how? Probably, I mean, my my parents and my brother in a way because, I mean, in lots of ways, just because all three of them always taught, they, all three of them are really good at seeing the positive in every situation while still being realistic at the same time. And so they're kind of always, they always see hope and they act with hope too. Mm. But, um, but, and then my, and also probably my, my high school drama teachers, Maria and Richard, just because they um, they told me to write and they just they encouraged me to write for the other students and and it was kind of at a, a real cross. I think I was sixteen and it was either I was going to hang out in a caravan and smoke pot for the rest of my life or I was going to be a playwright. And so and I, and and that kind of really that really gave me my life in a way. So I think they wow. that they that they just let me. But they encouraged me and kind of let me do that and always kind of and always never told me my plays were too weird or anything or that like it was that you can't have a pig man. You can't have they were always just like, yeah, do it, do it. And and also they taught me that it was good to write for the other students. And so I've always kind of written for certain actors. And that's been. um, Yeah, that was a huge thing to learn how to do. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. When was the last time you cried and why? Um, Well, Besides crying in movies and TV shows, which I do probably every second day, I probably the, the last time that I can think of that I cried was I was in um I was in New Jersey and I'd been in Austin, Texas just before that seeing um my um Texican my, my Texican ex, now ex boyfriend Jose and he'd um we'd had a, like a really crazy breakup sudden breakup where I'd spent the night in Austin airport and I was really sad and then I went and then I because we broke up early. Because we broke up, I went to New Jersey earlier than I was going to go, and my grandfather was dying. And he, it was, um, and I got to spend these like these two days hanging out with my grandfather, who was really happy. And my grandmother had died a couple months beforehand, and he really he wanted to die. He was almost a hundred, and we just talked for two days. And he and he sang me. Um, I got him to sing me the song that he sang my grandmother when she was dying, which is this song called September, which was so. And he sang it. He sang it really. He's got a, he had a terrible singing voice, and he he sang it terribly. And then um, and then he he just sort of he just he just sort of told me how much he loved me. And then and then I left. I was leaving, and he had a nurse there looking after him. And I got to the door, and she hugged me, and I just started crying and crying because I realized all these you know all this stuff I get up you know I was upset I'd been upset because I'd broken up with some guy I didn't know that well or whatever and then here was my this is the last time I was going to see my grandfather and but it was such a like it was such a happy time and I and I and I thought I thought oh I think I'm so lucky because I've been so loved Mm. in by by my grandfather and and I hadn't realized I'd always been happy about it but I hadn't realized how valuable it was until just then I guess and and so yeah that was the last time I can remember crying that wasn't in like a movie or or a tv show i was watching wow that's that's incredible because um you know because you obviously yeah going from your heartache to that situation is and obviously you just said it you put everything into perspective yeah it sort of it makes you realize like it made me realize that um you sort of i well not I, i chase 
these sort of impossible things to catch in life and like and and then get all kind of cause all this kind of emotional storm and myself about it and actually and maybe that's you know and maybe you have to do that to get material and that's just part of life or whatever but but that all along like my whole life I'd had this I'd had this these grandparents who um were at times very difficult but who um who 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 saw me in the way that I was so seeking to be loved and seen by mm. strangers in a way <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um what is your current state of mind well at the moment i just i'm really good friends with myself at the moment and really like i i've i'm i'm sort of avoiding any kind of um unnecessary storms like in and uh, i and and i'm just because it's funny that thing with heartbreak like even heart like it's you forget until you're in it that it's kind of like a, it's a physical feeling on your chest. And so mm. when you're in it, it takes the oxygen out of everything. And so recently, maybe about a month ago, I thought, I might stop deliberately causing heartbreak in my life. It just, <laughs> where I go, just kind of um, just concentrating on work and, and stuff. And, and, and it's been, it means that I'm, I sort of am really happy and everything, like a really, and you know, it won't last because whenever you find the answer to your life, it lasts maybe two or three weeks and then it has to change because you know your life has to keep it has to keep breathing and stuff but at the moment I'm just so happy hanging out with myself and, and happy with other people and 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 really enjoying kind of um sp- yeah spending time with spending time with friends or, or or just working and also and also just kind of um just excited because I feel like I feel like the future's kind of open again. Like, you know how sometimes you feel like mm. you know everything that's going to happen in your life and it's all closed off, and then suddenly your state of mind changes and it's all open. It's all blown open again, and sometimes that can be awful, and sometimes it can be so nice. And so right now, I'm just I'm in a real sweet spot. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really good. <laughs> um, what, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Um. Work-wise, I consider probably consider my greatest achievement to be um, my play Neighborhood Watch because it was mm. it was sort of everything that I set out for it to be. I wanted it to be. I wanted it to write it for Robin Nevin to act in. I wanted to reach kind of a a wider audience than other of my plays had reached. And so, just recently, I was thinking, oh, I should I should remember that that play did everything that I set out for it to do, and and I, I should just remember to be really proud and working with Robin. Yeah, that would definitely be one. Of, that would be one of the things I'm most proud about, having gotten to do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. She's just amazing. Incredible powerhouse. Um, who would you want on your side in a battle, and why? I'd want my karate sensei Natsuko because a she's really she's really tough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um and 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 she's you know, she's a karate master and she's um. She's really strong, really tough, but also because she is able to lift other people's spirits and in terms of like what they're wow. to make, she's able to make other people physically capable of more than they believe they are. So I think she'd be really good in a battle because once you started to get weak or something, she'd A, be able to give you something really practical about what to do physically, but also kind of make you believe that you could do more than you think you can. So I think, yeah, I think... Mm. I think she'd be a good she'd be a good person to have on side. What, what what does she say to you? What kind of things does she say to you to pick you up? She'll either kind of yell at you and say, "Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that," or she'll say, or she'll compliment you. Just at the moment, 
and you know, like sometimes like a compliment can just give you so much energy. Like you, you've been kicking and kicking, trying really hard, feeling like you're doing, um, not getting anywhere. And then she'll say that one was good. And then suddenly you have, you're totally re-energized. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, what, what color belt are you now? Yellow. 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 Very low. I've been doing it for almost two years. Um, I, I think I've been doing it for a year when I got to the second white belt and then for a year and a half when I became yellow belt. So it might be a long way to I'm black belt. But I've seen you on, on uh, seen the Instagram thing. You're really good. Yeah, but do you know what? That was one part of a much longer clip where it got very bad. But <laughs> I was very drunk too. And, I w- and that's my new party trick. It's when I get really drunk, I'm, I go, hey, who wants to see a kata? But um, <laughs> yeah, my, my sensei was... Um, my sensei wasn't that impressed when she saw it. <laughs> no, well, I, th- I was impressed. Um, Lally, what would you what would you like your last words to be? Oh yeah, I guess it was just I guess maybe something like, "Wow, I'm so happy I did that." Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, but, yeah, just be like really happy about the whole thing. <laughs> We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 